Good morning. I am Riley, and this is Lifestyle Tucson. For the first portion of today's program, I will be speaking with Emerge Center Against Domestic Abuse. Hi, Riley. My name is Lauren Bianco. I'm calling from Emerge Center Against Domestic Abuse. Hi, Lauren. It's nice to speak to you. You too. Well, I'm glad we could have this uh, time to get an update uh, from Emerge. And I guess I would like to start off. Can you just provide a, a brief introduction for those unfamiliar with the, the mission and vision of Emerge? Of course. So the main vision that we have as Emerge is that we believe that we as a community together can effectively eradicate domestic abuse, um, really. That is our larger vision. Vision. Um, but we do need the whole community to do it. Mm -hmm. Our organizational vision is to really support, provide, um, celebrate pe people living a life free from abuse. So that's that's our mission statement. Okay, wonderful. Um, yeah. Will you take a moment to just share some about like the services and programs that Emerge yeah. provides? For sure. So we have we have a spectrum of services. We start usually with our 24/7 hot, uh, multilingual hotline, mm -hmm. and that is really where people have an entry point into figuring out um, where their journey is going to begin um, to achieve a life free from abuse. So it could be literally people just asking questions, right? We we're not. I'm not sure. If I'm in an abusive situation, I need some help navigating. I'm not exact, you know, I'm not exactly clear on what my options are. And and it can go from that all the way up to I need to get out immediately. Can you help me safety plan a way to get out of the situation? So from there, um, some it just depends on the person's situation. It's all individualized, but um, we have an emergency shelter program where people can basically uh, seek refuge from the abuse that they might be experiencing in their intimate partnership. Mm -hmm. And they, we do have uh, space for their kids. Um, if people have pets, we have a program where we work with um, other nonprofits around town to ensure that the animals can also be safe. So that's, that's our emergency shelter program. Mm -hmm. Then um, we also have what we call community-based services which are used by anyone in any of our programs, but are also available to people who don't necessarily need shelter, but do need support in their navigating the uh, relationship that they're in. So that can mean anything from one-on-one uh, -on -one sort of appointments with our, with our case managers. It could be um, help with lay legal services. So, you know, they need to file an order of protection or, you know, talk about how, what their options are for divorce. They could um, go to our groups where we have, you know, it's, it's not a therapeutic group per se because we're not licensed in that way, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a therapeutic environment where other survivors are there and, and people learn from each other. Um, and that's also where we house our child and family program where um, children can also get specific services, you know, aimed at their age group to help them understand the situation, the abusive situation that their parent might be in. So, yeah. so it's a very, um, almost like a custom to each individual's need type of approach. That's right. Okay. That's right. We do also have a very small housing program. So if people are seeking a new home after they have, uh, you know, broken away from their abusive situation, we can help them navigate the housing market and figure out a place for them to go. We also have supplement money to help uh, provide, you know, first and last month's rent, 
you know, utility bills for a while until that person is on their feet again and able to, to pay their way. This is Lifestyle Tucson, and I'm speaking with Lauren Bianco from Emerge Center Against Domestic Abuse. So I had been looking uh, over the the impact report for last year, and I saw that Emerge was yeah. able to serve over over 5,600 individuals and uh, providing support for yeah. families in the new homes. How does that compare uh, the 2020 report to past years? Hmm. You know, it's... Um... It's an interesting question. We've actually pretty much uh, been at that level of participants for, I would say, about, I mean, maybe four years. Okay. Um, It might be, it has varied, right? Because there have been different um, peaks and flows in the community Mm -hmm. that has changed those numbers. But I would say that we hover around the 5,500 to 6,000 range pretty much every year for the last four years. I also saw on your website um, how part of uh, Emerge's work is centered around education, providing those resources, doing yes. like presentations and stuff like that. How uh, was your organization able to continue that aspect of your work in 2020? Yeah. And uh, what are kind of your some of the expectations moving forward? Oh, that's a great question. So d- domestic abuse education is our is one of our core <laughs> services. Mm-hmm. And it's core for our community and it's core for survivors. So if you'll allow me to divert for just a second. Oh, absolutely. I just want to say that um, the reason domestic abuse education is so important is because a lot of times when people are, are experiencing abuse, they don't have the language to understand what's going on. So there will be many people who call us on, their, on our hotline and say, I don't know if this is an abusive situation. And we will then use some domestic sort of formal domestic abuse education to help people understand their situation. And a lot of times all they needed was somebody to give them the lexicon that they, that they needed to understand and and like put life into their experience that says, yeah, you, you know, you are, your experience is valid Mm -hmm. and here's why. So we, we find our community education, whether it's to a survivor specifically on the hotline or to a big community group, uh, extremely important. So to answer your question, we have been doing lots of virtual trainings, mm-hmm. <laughs> as you might imagine, um, as lots of people have in the community. Um, we provided them um, mostly via um, request. So we've been getting, you know, we get requests through our website or we just have relationships with different community partners and they'll say, hey, can you come in and do a presentation for our nurses or for this volunteer group or for this um, quilting group? You know, it really varies depending on the group that's interested in the information, but it could be anywhere from, you know, the medical profession all the way to, you know, your grandma's quilting group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever wants to learn, it's uh, available. So, right. Oh, and uh, the second part of your question was the expectation. We are st- we are um, still we are still available to provide the domestic abuse education. I would encourage people to go on our website and fill out the form, um, and we're happy to schedule some Zoom time to uh, to do any kind of education anyone wants. Real quick, what is your website? Uh, a little more on like the hotline yeah. and how people can kind of get connected um, for with the information. Sure. So EmergeCenter.org is our website. It has a lot of information on there. Just it, It's both um, good information for 
people who are seeking services, people who are who are trying to support someone um, who are who's experiencing abuse, and then also donors and people in the community who are interested in figuring out how to get involved. Our hotline, so we have two. Um, our our local one is five two zero seven nine five four two six six, and the toll free number is one eight 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 four two eight zero one zero one and all of that is on our website as well and you mentioned those are both those are multilingual correct Um, that's right awesome wonderful so we've been kind of discussing uh what emerge can provide for the community and i would like to hear uh kind of what the organization needs in turn from the community to continue its efforts um in kind donations donations volunteers what are you needing at this time um, well, the big thing we always talk about when, when this question comes up is we need the community to educate, educate themselves and educate each other on how to intervene in domestic abuse situations um, and do the, you know, do the real root cause work into ourselves to figure out how do we show up in these circumstances and like how can we be supportive in our community of other people who are experiencing abuse. So that's really like the big push we, we frequently talk about. The, the tangible things that you're asking about, mm-hmm. so um, donations are always really, really helpful. You know, with the pandemic, we have, um, while we have been very, very blessed with generous donors and generous um, funding sources, we also had to, you know, get rid of all of our in-person events, which were also fundraising generators. And so that's been difficult. And we're always grateful for any any person who is willing to give you know, financial donations. In-kind donations, um, we have a list on our website. It's a wish list, and it varies, honestly, depending on the time of year and what is what supplies are low. There's always a need for certain core items like diapers and formula and shoes and um, toiletry items and also any kind of um, hair care products that are uh, more multicultural than, you know, sort of your mainstream Mm -hmm. um, toiletry products too. So that's always a need. Um, Volunteers. So there's definitely some limitations on volunteers right now just because of the pandemic, but we're always looking for volunteers. Mm -hmm. Um, We have both direct and indirect volunteer opportunities. So indirect meaning like office work, you know, data entry, helping with organization, that kind of that kind of stuff, helping at events when when we're able to have them, and then direct services are people who are helpful with our participants. So answering the hotline, working with the children, working with folks who are trying to navigate housing, um, that's that's always a need as well. The only thing I will mention about direct uh, volunteers is there is an interview process and a uh, a pretty extensive training period as well. Oh, absolutely. That makes sense <laughs> why you would yeah. <laughs> uh, need that. So before I, I let you go, is there any other just news um, that you would like to share about uh, Emerge and what's going on right now? You know, I would say that we're just very proud of the fact that we have been able to stay open. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we're, we've, we're virtual um, most of the time. 
but we're, we're just, um, we're very much dedicated to ensuring that people in the community have the services that they need. Um, you know, domestic abuse uh, has become a, a more spotlighted issue in the, in the national news and the local news, primarily because the pandemic has forced people to um, isolate. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the most dangerous elements of domestic abuse. Um, so if you're already experiencing abuse and now you've had to isolate because of the health concerns, it can be doubly dangerous for, for domestic abuse survivors. So we have stayed pretty steadfast in ensuring that our services stay open to make sure that those survivors can still access us as much as possible. Uh, well, this is Lifestyle Tucson. I've been speaking with a VP of Operations and Development for Emerge Center Against Domestic Abuse, uh, Lauren Bianco. And I really appreciate you uh, taking this time to speak with me again today. And just real quick again, uh, we just share that website for anyone who would like to know. Absolutely. It's uh, www.emergecenter.org. Well, thank you again for taking this time. It was great getting an update from you. Thanks so much. For this next portion of Lifestyle Tucson, I am speaking with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Southern Arizona. Hi, Riley. This is Veronica with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Hi, Veronica. How are you today? I am well, and how are you doing? Pretty fantastic, I would say. (laughs) So uh, you're the uh, Associate Director of Philanthropy. Is that correct? Correct. Awesome. Well, Big Brothers Big Sisters is a name that most people really easily recognize, but it's always great to hear some, you know, firsthand accounts, and I'm also kind of nosy. I would like to know, like, what led you to uh, become involved with the organization here in Southern Arizona, just briefly? So I came to Biggs about six years ago, actually had my six-year anniversary this past March, and I had worked for a number of nonprofits prior to that, doing a lot of events and fundraising. It just touched me. I'm working with youth and working with youth in a one-to-one capacity and how staff um, is very much involved in that relationship when it comes to um, managing goals and if people have questions or need further assistance um, with the family and the child and the volunteer. So it just, um, once I met with the CEO and the current director at that time, I just fell in love. So it was perfect. Perfect. Just everything kind of clicked together for you. That's wonderful. Um, so yeah. how has Big Brothers Big Sisters of Southern Arizona adjusted from, well, April 2020 to now here we are, April 2021? What types of changes have had to take place? And I guess kind of what is the current situation? Right. So, um, well, you know, it was it was an incredible change that we had to institute in terms of our matches Unlike many other, you know, youth uh, clubhouses or organizations, we don't have a place where they get together. They literally create their outings and experiences together twice a month in the community. So when everything shut down, staff was just phenomenal and how they were reaching out to families and reaching out to volunteers and kind of letting people know that obviously right now it's, it's not a good time to try to arrange these one-on-ones in person with your, with your little but call them. Let's figure out some um, video chat options. And a lot of matches started to do these kind of gameplay sessions, and they would do them together with other matches. And we were providing some different virtual experiences, had a lot of businesses coming to us saying, hey, can we do a pasta-making session? Can we do yoga? Can we teach kids about some STEM activities? And so we were able to really change 
how we were assisting our volunteers and our families and keeping connected because it was still really, really important. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we did, because like I mentioned before, when we create these one-to-one matches, each big and little are paired with a staff member who, again, is uh, consistently checking in with everyone involved in the relationship. And we've, we've always been kind of this resource for those families who sometimes have other needs and uh, make those connections with them in the community, other different um, services that, that could be provided to them. Excuse me. And we just were in such a perfect position to continue to do that kind of support for our families because a lot of people, different situations, but definitely um, needed to be connected and needed those resources. So. Mm-hmm. That was huge. Absolutely. And utilizing those other technologies um, in lieu of that person-to-person connection. So would you be able to take a moment to just share some more about the programs uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters has to offer and how they can make an impact on uh, children's futures? Absolutely. So our, our signature program and the one that's most recognizable in the community would be what we call our community-based that's where a big and a little um, essentially meet twice a month. It's usually two hours per visit, and obviously matches meet more frequently if they prefer, but they decide what they're going to do in the community together. So during normal times, right, and actually we're kind of seeing the light at the mm-hmm. end of the tunnel, but, um, you know, where matches go hiking and matches go to the movies and they'll go out to eat or we have um, sporting events, the U of A, museums, all these different kinds of things. But really the, the point and the goal of this relationship is for that child to connect to um, a positive individual that they can look up to and that they can confide in and that they already have some commonalities with. So when we do this matching process, we are taking into account what their parent guardian is looking for, what the child is interested in, and then matching that to um, an adult mentor that has those kinds of uh, background to offer or has similar interests. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they're connected, they already have some commonality. Yeah, it's not um, just random matching. High... <laughs> oh, no, yeah. not just random matching. So when we talk about, because um, we do have a consistent waiting list of littles, mm-hmm. um, it's a combination of, you know, it's, it's never, you know, first um, come, first serve, or the next on the list will get matched. We, it's a very, very intentional process because we know that they need to share some of the same interests. They need to have a balance of, you know, the adult mentor may have some strengths or knowledge or experience in areas that a child is interested in, right? Mm-hmm. You have a little who is very outgoing and just, you know, would love to have someone to go play ball with because his grandmother is raising him, right? Mm-hmm. Um then we want a big that is outgoing, that likes to play outside, that plays basketball, and so they're going to hit it off. And eventually that big will open new worlds to that little in terms of ideas of what that child can be or paths that child didn't know that they um, had an opportunity to go down. So it's, it's very intentional when we put those two pieces together. We also have a high school-based mentoring program. It was difficult to do what we normally do during this past year, and we're super excited that we're finally able to do some in-person activities, but it provided a different opportunity for maybe a a busy professional who wanted or wants to volunteer, but they just can't do the weekends and the evenings, but they certainly can do kind of a a a once-a-month in-person and then once-a-week 
online um, platform to connect with this student. And so we follow this freshman uh, student through their senior year in high school, so it's four years, and the purpose of this particular program still um, true to our mission and that one-to-one -one experience, but it's to really help to open up um, the possibilities for after graduation, if that's college and then helping to prepare them, if that's for training or certification, uh, helping to prepare them, just so that when they graduate, they do graduate, um, mm -hmm. that they have a plan for success in the path that they want to go on. It's really helping set them up uh, for what the future holds. You're listening to Lifestyle Tucson with Riley. I am speaking with Veronica from Big Brothers Big Sisters of Southern Arizona. Um, as you were saying, there is definitely um, starting to see a light, you know, with vaccinations rolling out and um, numbers looking better. Uh, so I saw online that fundraising has recently started for, I thought it was the largest fundraising and recruiting event, uh, Bowl and Play for Kids' Sake. Can you tell me some more about it? Like how long has this event been taking place and a little bit more of what its purpose is? Yeah, absolutely. So our um, Bowl and Play for Kids' Sake, this would be the 40th year Oh, wow. That we have hosted it, and there are a couple new additions this year that I'll touch on in just a moment. Yeah. But um, Bowl for Kids is really a Big Brothers, Big Sisters original. A lot of agencies across the country host this event, and it's very successful um, for our agency in particular because, you know, we are looking for people to say, yeah, I'll totally, you know, head up this team and be a captain. I'll get people to come and play with me. I'll raise $125 per person, which is 100% stays in Tucson, goes to our youth, and then, of course, qualifies for the Arizona Charitable Tax Credit. Mm -hmm. But it's phenomenal because we have so many people talking about us and advocating for us that we definitely get a spike in our, our volunteer and recruitment numbers. And then people just get to know more about our program and maybe enroll their kids or seek out other ways to be involved. So we, you know, engage hundreds of people in Tucson doing this particular event and excited to roll out some different options this year because for the past 39 years, we've just done bowling, right? Mm -hmm. And we always <laughs> talked about that it wasn't necessarily about the game because, you know, people will say, I'm not a great bowler, but bowling's just the fun part. It's just the activity. You come out for two hours of unlimited play. We give you pizza and drinks and prizes and have a DJ and, you know, play additional games and raffles. And then we just celebrate um, all the great funds that were raised that stay in Tucson, um, stay in Southern Arizona, and go back to our program. But this year, in consideration of the light at the end of the tunnel, but people just, you know, wanting to be comfortable and everyone having different levels of comfortability, we're offering uh, two new games, and we're hosting outside. So oh. we'll be hosting in May bocce ball and cornhole, which apparently cornhole is taking off because people are very excited, and offering um, a similar experience where it's two hours of play. We're doing food and drinks and prizes and games and DJ, and then still having our traditional bowl in June because we definitely have groups that just love that game. Yeah, so you get the option if you feel comfortable going into a bowling alley and being around the others, there's that. But you can also have some fun time playing outside instead, a little bit more in the open air. So you said May. Uh, like, when and where are these really fun parts where you're actually bowling and playing? When are those going to be happening? Yeah, 
Yeah, so for our outdoor experience for bocce and cornhole, it's going to be May 15th and May 22nd at Reed Park. It is an activity that you have to pre-register for, so it's not necessarily a walk-up thing. Mm -hmm. And you would go to our website, which is soazbigs.org, soazbigs.org, and you would click on the event and you would register. And then for our bowling, which would be June 25th and 26th, we're offering our first session in the evening at Lucky Strike and then a Saturday midday at Fiesta. Same thing. You would want to pre-register. It's not an event that you could just kind of come to. Mm -hmm. They want to know you're coming. And then for either option, indoor or out, we are still um, doing a lot of the same kind of safety protocols. We want people to feel safe. We want people to have some space and distance to be comfortable. So, um, you know, our participants can expect to to be in an environment that um, we were very thoughtful about and wanted everybody to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And you're still just going to follow along with, like, the county's guidelines. Is that going to be the situation? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Is there any other new news uh, from Big Brothers Big Sisters of uh, Southern Arizona that you would like to share? Sure. Um, We are looking for more volunteers right now. So it was incredible how we kept our matches connected um, last year. And actually, we're still able to make some new matches virtually, of course. And some of those are just starting to be able to meet in person if they feel comfortable. So we have so many kids waiting. We Mm -hmm. have a list of about 100 or so. 80% are boys. And that's just because um, we get a lot more little boys signed up. And not a lot of men coming Mm. into the system. Um, Something else that we're looking for are more little girls to sign up in our program, which is something that's not typical. Mm -hmm. Um, We usually get a lot of little girls coming in and a lot of big sisters as well. So looking for volunteers. Um, And the commitment is not as much as someone would think. To be a mentor, you don't have to have any kind of special skill set have to be yourself because we've got a kid waiting for someone just like you. Nice. So just again, for anyone who is looking to get involved or show support for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Southern Arizona, where is the best place to start? Yeah, so I would say our website, which is soazbigs.org. It's soazbigs.org. And on the website, um, you'll see the event that we're um, looking forward to, which is our Bowl and Playful excuse me, Bull and Brace for Kids Sake in May and in June. And then also you'll see that El Chua, we're still doing that at mm-hmm. the end of the year. And um, there's information about how to volunteer and how to, how to sign up. It's super easy. And uh, you could always do an info session to kind of get a little bit more information. No obligation, but it certainly provides you um, answers to any questions you may have before you, you know, commit mm-hmm. and um change a child's life and yours and impact our entire community. Awesome. Well, I've been speaking with uh, Veronica from Big Brothers Big Sisters of Southern Arizona, and I really appreciate you taking this time to give us a bit of an update and uh, share the word of the upcoming Bowl and Play for Kids' Sake and uh, the fundraising efforts. Well, thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Riley. I do appreciate it. If you are part of a nonprofit organization that would like to be featured on an upcoming episode of Lifestyle Tucson, you can reach out to us at publicaffairs at azlotus.com. That is publicaffairs, all one word, at azlotus.com. And for more information about the Lifestyle Tucson program, you can go to mixfm.com, klpx.com, kfma.com, 
and ESPNTucson.com.